Hey everyone, welcome to Birth Podcast. I'm Ash. Today we're going to Lebanon to meet my friend Hawida Saad. She works for the New York Times and she recently contributed to a book called Our Women on the Ground. These are a collection of essays written by Middle Eastern female reporters. Hawida grew up in Lebanon during the Civil War. She talks about growing up and what it's taken for her to step into her own empowerment. The Lebanese people have been protesting since last year, fighting against government regime that has been there for nearly 30 years, divided by sectarian belief systems. There's a lot we can learn from how she exists in her world. So listen in. You know, to be born in Lebanon, this is, this is a story by itself. Because um, uh, you born you born in a country that you expect uh, anything every day everything anything every day in a way like sometimes it's nice to to live in at, at the action but not every day and now it's we're living it every single minute so before I was you know I, I was born during before the, the, the before the civil war five years before the civil war and the civil war started in 1975 so i only spent five years peaceful in my life when i was five years old five years old i don't remember anything of course i just I, i'm trying i was trying to ask my mom how was my life when i was five years old and then after that it was like a hell uh, but if uh, looking back at the civil war, I, I, I don't say like I have uh, I have uh, bad memories. No, I have good memories, nice memories in the shelters and uh, the you know uh, even uh, although we were uh, living in a shelter or surrounded by uh, you know uh, shellings and bombings. But at the same time, we, we were fine. We were fine. We, we used to go to school. Uh, we used to, to shop, uh, we used to hang around, uh, so I, I don't say my life was normal, but, you know, basically, you know, not abnormal. We're just, you know, it's, it's, it's a child lived under the civil war. And now, you know, with, the, with Corona, like, uh, I've been locked down for three months, so I'm trying to, to go back to the civil war, how I used to be by force to be locked down under, like, because we were forced to, to do the lockdown during, like, to, to hide in shelters in a way, but, uh, but the difference before, we didn't used to feel like all these threats around us. I was a child, enjoying my life, waiting for the chocolate, and very excited that the next day I'm not going to go to school because there's shelling and bombing, so this is, you know, it's going to be a day off. This is, you know, this is my maximum of my life. But, um, of course, you know, when you grow up more, like, in this country, you feel like, what are you? Like, who are you? You know, now the question, you have a bigger question now, like Lebanon, what is Lebanon? Who, you know, like you, you are American, okay, you are uh, British, okay, but Lebanese, but Lebanese what? And, and actually, and actually uh, during my reporting, most of the time people, they ask me, you're Lebanese, but what's your background? They don't, you know, like they don't, uh, they don't accept an answer like you are Lebanese. Uh, okay, Lebanese, what's your sect? What's your affiliations? Mm. You know, it's full, full, It's always followed up by, you know, all these Because questions. the projections and assumptions are so, are so, well, they're so white. Yes. I mean, that's the thing. It's a Western world that naturally assumes this element of what, what we project onto in Middle Eastern cultures. 
cultures that we ultimately drop bombs on and support wars in. And, yeah. and it creates a presumption of the people that often is disconnected from, from the reality. Well, it's not only that, it's only like that, that people like expect Lebanon, okay, it's Lebanese, but it's like there are a group of people living in the same country, but they're not Lebanese, right? They are just group with different affiliations with different sects. So it's not enough like to say you are Lebanese, you are some, 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 you know, somebody like you're not only Lebanese. This is what used to hurt me. And so this is, and this is what, when I started working with the New York Times, you know, I'm working with American, uh, you know, publication, I have my colleagues and whenever we do, we go, we do reportings and, you know, for instance, in Syria, you know, for my boss, uh, you know, like they used to ask her like, okay, you know, where are you from? She says, you know, I'm American. Okay, American. Okay, Huayda. Okay, you're Lebanese. Okay, Lebanese. What's your sect? Where are you from? Which village? What's your affiliation? Are you with the, with this party against this, that party? So I'm always facing all these questions, you know. And I always ask, why didn't ask my you know my boss these questions? Because you know it's enough. They don't have they don't have to ask more. They they, they don't ask her if you are Christian or Muslim. You're American. Yeah, that's true. And now it's 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 becoming more and more now now you know now we're facing the biggest problem in in Lebanon history, and the question is being raised: What are we? What is Lebanon? Is is Lebanon like the the you know like the what our parents told us about? Is it the mountains? Is it the beach? Is it uh, the tabbouleh? Is it the hummus? You know, what is, you know, is it the Shia? Is it the Sunni? Is it the Christian? What is Lebanon, you know? I'm, I'm really trying to find more about that, you know, like I'm trying to answer this question. In West Beirut, which is one of my favorite films ever, is when the young boy is in the bathroom with his father and his father is shaving and they're talking about it and then the boy jumps in and he goes, I'm Phoenician, right? Yeah. And his, it's his reference of sort of taking ownership of, the historic space. Do you feel no. like you're trying to sort of define your own identity through your history in a way that you haven't before now that you didn't have to think about? I don't know. 15, in, school, 20 years ago? in history, like they in school, I always used to hear that like Lebanon is not an Arab country. Hmm. They are somehow Arab. Then we're not Arab, you know? So it starts from there. Like it starts, oh, okay, we're not Arabs, we're not, uh, you know, French. At the same time, we try to be French more than French, but, you know, we're not like that. So this, it starts from there, and this is the issue, you know? Uh, this is a theory. Like, for instance, you go to an, an area, they speak very perfect French, and they don't, they prefer not to speak Arabic. In other places, they speak English, they don't prefer to speak Arabic. And when you travel, you find people outside, they love the Arabic. And you know what? You know what, as I said, like I have an issue with the places and ID because, you know, we used to look at, you know, our cafes, our like places anyway. Oh, well, you know, it's very, very old fashioned. But I started to, to, to give the value of this place because of the people I work with. With the people I work with, they used, we used to visit places. They used to look at these places and very like, you know, this is very precious, you know. You know, the mountains, uh, the cafes, uh, for instance, there is the Basta area, you know, I'm sure you know the Basta, it's really like, it's, it's a really beautiful place, but we never paid, I never paid attention, you know, how nice Basta is. 
But from the people I work with, and especially the you know Americans and you know Europeans, they, they you know they said you know it's beautiful. The other like last last uh, last year uh, I had an assignment in Akkar, and for us Akkar is a very poor area, like most the poorest area in, in, in you know in Lebanon, and we never paid attention to that area. But I heard it from a German friend. He said, Do you know Weida? I've been to Akkar many times, and you know there are certain trees which don't exist except in Akkar. And I never, I was really. He said yes. You know, it, so it's very hard to know like how valuable your country is through like other people, like people like they never lived here. They 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 appreciate it more than you do. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, so, look, I, I think I think Lebanon is a beautiful country, and I and I lived there for for three years, and and loved the the space. It was a little bit of my intro into the Arab world, but yet at the same time, it had the Euro vibe that I I really have grown to appreciate in sort of my own living space. And the people are diverse, uh, the Lebanese are diverse, and so I think I think that's the thing is most people don't realize that that part of the world, right, whether it's it's, it's Lebanon or Palestine, but that whole sort of Mediterranean space, is is a is blended cultures, right? Yeah. It's, it's very because every major empire that has really ever ruled the world has crossed that. The richness of that land, they've left people there, they've brought people there, they've taken people from there. And so there's an element where it's, it's such a rich place, but it's also a mixed identity. Like it doesn't have an isolated identity in any way. However, the West, I feel, has essentially tried to assign, its ide assign identity to the Middle East by naming it one thing. And it's really not. Exactly. And, you know, like uh, in the past, like I used to hear, read and find like Lebanon is very necessary. We, 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 you know, it's very necessary to have Lebanon. It's necessary for, for, for like for, uh, for our neighbors, for, like for the um, uh, Middle East, for the Gulf. But now I'm raising the question, is Lebanon still necessary? What made it necessary With, in your opinion? Or what, what was the... Geographically... The people, and the, you know, we talk like thirty years ago. You know, it's location. The location was necessary forever. Now, I'm just—is it still what what Lebanon like? You know, do people like do the world care about Lebanon? You know, is it still necessary just to have Lebanon? For me, the answer: we should. Just make it necessary. We're not. We don't have to wait for others to make Lebanon as necessary. As a woman there, you've seen it go through a lot of changes from 1970 until now. You have watched yeah. it go through tremendous changes on a cultural level. But and, uh, yeah. you know, as we kind of started, I think before we were recording. But you, as, as a woman, you've also seen a lot of struggle, right? Because on one hand, culturally, Lebanon is this place that has that has uh, nature and beauty and music and, and restaurants and, and the women are gorgeous. And you know what I mean? There's, there's, there's a culture, there's an element of openness. Yet when we get really down into the nitty gritty of, of the legalities and the rights that people have, a lot of those who were part of the civil war are still in control. And the progression of women has on that front 
has been much more complicated. The, the, the biggest problem for me as a woman living in the Middle East, they, they always, they, they look at us as, you know, Lebanese are pretty. They, they dress up very nicely, you know? And actually, I, I, I was, for, for me personally, like I was trying to prove, you know, we have something else to give and we, we, we can do it, you know? But unfortunately, like Lebanese women, they, 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 they like this. They, they, they didn't try to, like, there they were some attempts. They were trying to revolt against this, you know, idea, image, whatever. But it wasn't enough. And that was my biggest challenge. I want to be, like, to be just to be seen as smart, as Lebanese, a smart woman. Not only, you know, dressing up in a very nice way or pretty or you have, like, whatever, and, you know, nice hair, nice makeup. Lebanese women, they work very hard. They were really very hard, but unfortunately, they, 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 there wasn't much attention on them, you know, and the, the attention was on something else, on different types of women, which is like, it makes me like, you know, and this is what now in this revolution, in this revolution, in this uprising, if you go back as you see how much women were very effective and they were playing a role in that, you know, they, they were protecting men. And they were like, really, they were just uh, writing slogans, uh, asking for change, trying to change the laws. You know, it, 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 it changed a bit, but not enough. Not enough. We need more. And now, now, for this period, we need a bigger role for the women. Because remember, women, 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 women are mothers. Women are sisters. So we can do it, you know. And actually, men, they start recognizing us. You know, this is the yeah. difference between. In the past, the men, they, have, they, they, were, they weren't recognizing us. Now we are recognized by men. And they're asking us for advice. They're asking us sometimes for, you know, especially during demonstrations, we're protecting them from being arrested, you know? Yeah. So, so they, they, we, we are recognized. We, we are like, you know, men, they, they started acknowledging like our role. This is good. This is good. But we need more. We cannot stop, you know? There is a, a momentum. We should just take the, you know, like, uh, you know, like chance, the opportunity of that momentum, because we would lose it. We are seeing a lot of powerful images come out of the women leading protests, and so what's been interesting is to to watch Lebanese women sort of take a step into that. So me as a woman, what what can I do? Like, really, this, this is the question. We like we, we should do more and more, and uh, we should save our country now. What are some of the biggest political limitations for women? Remember, you know, we've been led by bureaucratic, uh, you know, policy and like uh, government, you know, Bu bureaucracy and old fashioned. We have so many issues. We, we need to break the chain and change, you know. It's a, it's a long, long way, of course, but we should, we should continue, like, because, because start and just being on, off, on, off, it doesn't help us. Just, it's a long, long term project i would say like in the past it's like it, it was a masculine like government you know you know or you know political thing it's all always you know like controlled by male male like. now we have we're breaking this we have many women represented in the government this is good you know this is right good thing but this is new but this is new we're talking recent we're talking in the past several months not even in yes. the past years yes. we're talking yes. months. this is this is yeah this is new as i said we started it's long process but yeah. we started from something. The, the laws is based on sectarian things. So, so you should get the consensus from 
everybody should can get the support from more and more people to be to to support us in this. It's not. So enough you think that the you think that the religious sectarian element is still very has a heavier influence on the on on the actually I, I I need I need men's support. I need the men to support me. Yeah. I, I don't need only women. I need the men. Men can help me in this. You know. This is this is which which I think is still weak. You know. I don't have still enough. You know. You know, remember, like, because some men they don't they don't want women to reach some positions. You know, yeah, they absolutely. they they try to put obstacles in that. So, so we have so many issues, and I believe, you know, if we are unified, we can do something. What have been some of your personal challenges? What are some of the stories that you can share that you've really had to push your way through? When I was born, I remember my. My family, my 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 dad's family, they were sad because were they prefer boy over woman. So that was the first. It's better to have boy than having girl. So yeah, you know, with my mom, she was I'm, I was the first child. We are only two, but at, at the same time, like you know, my my father's uh, brother, like they 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 felt sad, you know, oh poor, they have you know, he had a girl, you know. So so it started from there. I'm always like, I was always feeling, okay, you are a girl, you cannot do this, you can't do that, you, do, you, you know, there are certain things you have to follow. Okay, the shift in my life started when I started reporting on Syria. Like the Syria, it's, 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 it changed my, the, the, the whole thing, you know, like, it was like something like, okay, I started feeling I'm, I'm lucky. Because in the past, I used to feel, oh, well, you know, men, they, get, can, they can get more than I can do. But with Syria, no, I started feeling I'm really lucky to be a woman. I'm really lucky because I've been to places that men cannot do. I've, I've, I've met people and women that men cannot meet. So it started from there, you know. And going from there, like, I could hear, like, the women's voices. Because in, in, in some reports that you feel like women's voices are almost absent. You don't hear them, so so it's my job to just to 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 do it. It was extra thing, like it was wow, you know, Huayda. For instance, there are some voices they weren't willing to 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 talk, but now you you, you just you're lucky because you can meet them and talk. And actually, it's not only for women. I'm also with men, and I I mentioned that in my book and in my essay, because in in some part, like you know. Sometimes men, they were feeling lonely, you know, and, and talking about Syrians, like they were just covering battles, I don't know, uh, missing their families. They, they, they were talking to women. So they were sharing these stories with me. So I was always also lucky to hear their, you know, like to hear their, their stories. So it's and, as if uh, your insecurity became your empowerment. Yes. My insecurity, yeah, it became my empowerment. That, that's it. It's true. You, you just, you explained it in a very well way. Yeah, exactly. This is it. And now we, we, we just raise the question about all these revolutions. Mm. Just waiting. Waiting for our money, to get our money from the bank. Waiting to get uh, at the bakery. We're all waiting, Ange. And this is, it's, it's killing me. Like, instead of doing something useful, productive, we're not doing anything productive. Yeah. Wasting time. And this is, it's killing me, it's killing me. So what needs to change that? 
we need to break the chain. How, how, it's, how are we going to break the chain? Someone has to break the chain. But what will happen? And they tell you, listen, if you want to break the chain, you're going to face another, another civil war. And this is exactly what happened in Syria. If you're going to just do this, you're going to face a civil war. This is all. You want the revolution, you are going to face this. You know, you want to change, you're going to face this. We, all, we don't have third option. All, this or this. You know? Mm. So, so, so this is the scene, like in the Arab world. And, and I'm talking about Syria and Lebanon because, you know, I covered these two countries now with the, with the, with the, with the economic problems and situation. Now we have whole generation not doing anything. Not doing anything. Although we have a lot of things we have to do. A lot yes. of work we have to do. But we can't. We can't. It's waiting, waiting for the food basket, waiting to go to the bank to get one hundred dollar. Yeah. See. So, so where does that where does that shift begin? Where where does that where do you create the shift in the soul of the culture that needs to that needs to change so that revolution doesn't have to mean civil war? So that revolution can just mean you know, positive change, that it can mean change for better, for government, for policy, et cetera. How do you, how do you, how do you take revolution and liberation and, and avoid civil war? The issue, what happened uh, in, 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 during the past years in Lebanon, we have like people who could make the change, they either died or left. Those who are still alive, like me, like few of us, you know, we're trying our best, but our numbers are not enough. It's not enough. We need something big. So the shift, it's not enough to just dream. We need action. I don't believe like, like other countries can, can make any change. We had a previous experience. It will never like, nobody will help us. We should help ourselves. But at the mm. same time, we, we are divided. Because, you know, because we are scared from each other. Because they, we still have this issue. If the Christian is, will become stronger, so the Christian will, you know, will, will get rid of the Muslims or the Shia or the Sunni. If the Shia is stronger, they will get rid of the, 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 the you know, there is no trust. And this is what we should, we've we, we never worked on that since the end of the civil war in 1990. We haven't uh, built the trust between each other. There's no real healing between the groups. No. So we should start from there. I should go to the Muslim Christian. I tell them, listen, I, I'm, I'm Lebanese and you should trust me. And the Christians should come to me, should come to Muslims and tell them like, listen, we, we, we're gonna live in this country together. So you should trust. I'm not going to control you. Yeah. We, have, we have deeply rooted issue, you know, because you know, the civil war broke out between sects. Right. And we have bloody, bloody history. Yeah. So, and we never managed to solve this. We, we, we didn't reconcile. We didn't try to do it. You know, we're still afraid from each other. And this is Which a problem. Is, it is a problem because what it, what, what it seems like from my observation is that basically what happened was a cultural truce. So the cultural. fighting stopped. Yes. But there was no but healing. There was no, no truth, meaning. there was no reconciliation. We have fighting, right. but under the right. table, we have, right. you know. It's just different, economic fighting, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the politicians, they reconciled, okay? But the people didn't reconcile. Mm. See? 
the politicians, we have this, you know, they, as I said, they divided the cake. You take the electricity, I take the garbage, you take this, you take that, just fine. We have our people, we just, we can side them with some dollars or whatever, you know? But the people that haven't reconciled. Well, and the people get punished. Like I was there during, when, when trash crisis became a big deal. And what happens is, is that, you know, one says, well, I'm not going to pick up the trash. And the other one says, well, I'm not going to do anything about it. And then some of the neighborhoods might take care of themselves, but not all of them, because you really need an interconnectedness to take care of the whole city because the country is far more blended than it used to be. But the problem is, is there's still such deep mistrust between in the propaganda. I mean, the fact that like, you know, Hezbollah and the Freedom Party and the different, the different sects, they all have like their own media, their own propaganda machines. And it, yes. it, it's a disservice to the people because then the people come in for revolution, but they don't have any solutions to the problems that they are fighting against. We have, yeah, we don't have common ground. The question is, do you love your country or you don't? Mm. The question is always with foreign agenda. We should, we should have common ground on that. We started seeing things, you know, changing, you know, we started with big slogans and now, now just, we just, uh, we, we, they took us to somewhere else. As a woman in the society, you know, especially you wrote Our Women on the Ground and Our Women on the Ground, for those who don't know, is, is an incredible book and an incredible collection of Middle Eastern women who've come together to talk about reporting on wars. You, you obviously mentioned that there were Syrian people who were being vulnerable with you, both men and women, that were being vulnerable with you in a way that they might not with maybe your male, your male colleagues, your male counterparts. Back in Lebanon, how do you take the concept of that vulnerability that you witnessed as a reporter, that you participated with? How, how do you bring that into a culture so that there isn't such a hopelessness among Lebanese people for a better future so that revolution can actually mean change and not just another protest. Why we are revolting? I'm not revolting, just, you know, I'm not going to the streets now to, just for, to show off. We're going for something, you know? And this is what I'm afraid of. Like, this is what I'm, I'm afraid, like, that, that this revolution will lose its, you know, momentum, as I said. You know? Now, believe me, Ash, like, not only me, we're facing problems like, what are we going to write about? Really? We reach a point, what am I going to write about? In Syria, we, I, I've, I've witnessed all these painful, sad stories. Now, I'm just, I'm stuck. What, you know, when it started, like, we used to cover about massacres, protests. It was something, like, happening. One of the things as a reporters is we cover a lot of bombs, bullets and breaking news and, you know, numbers and all these things. But it seems like now there's a shift in the world, a shift in the globe. You see it in Lebanon. I see it in the U.S. There's a shift into the culture where the storytellers have to write differently. We can't write the same way that we have written before. We have to find the soul. This is a challenge I'm facing because the, I'm telling you, I sh like for me, like working with the New York Times, for me, like my job, my duty is to keep Syria, Lebanon on the pages, on the New York Times pages, because, you know, or else people will forget about us, you know. This is the challenge. You should all, always like, you know, and, and at the same time, you should explain to the readers we're not okay, you know. If you don't write about the, sto about the story, that, that doesn't mean we're fine and happy. No, it's not. 
we, we have so many issues. And as you said, there is a shift. I live in this region. I'm Lebanese. I live in the series. I'm Lebanese, so I'm suffering. I should do my, my job in a perfect way. At the same time, my country is, I'm losing my country. Can you tell your own story? Well, I'm trying to write something about giving, like going from there. If I look at my story, it tells the whole story. Your story is the Lebanese story. You were born five years before probably one of the most significant points in modern history for the Lebanese occurred. If you could find a way to own that, you know, more than the essays and the numbers and that, you know, there, there, there is this overhead of, well, journalists aren't supposed to be the story. Okay, I get that. I've, I've been in that space. But wait a minute, we, we're human beings who exactly. represent spaces and time and culture and ways of life. We are the human story and there's something that needs to be connected a little bit deeper, no? Yeah, I, I agree. Because as, as I said, like, yeah, if I wanna write about civil wars, I live the civil wars. If I wanna write about poverty, I live the poverty. If I wanna live, write about sectarianism, I lived it. You know, so I'm not writing about something like I haven't lived it. You know, I lived it. I lived it all. So I can tell all these things, you know, I can, I can write about love stories. Okay. I live the love stories. I can write about like, you know, I was rejected by some people because of my sect. Yeah, I lived it. You know, sometimes you're like, you should focus more and you should write more about it because it's the time now, especially like I'm a woman and I can, then, can, can express it like in a very good way. Uh, we have a weapon, which like, I believe m the men, they don't have it. We have really very strong weapon. And this is what I'm trying to explain to other women in my region, the Syrians, the Lebanese. We have really strong weapon. We should use it, you know, should be aware of that. And uh, stop looking at it and you should stop like, just st stop being, feeling weak. You know, our weakness is a strength. So I believe women have bigger role now. They they should move. Yeah, we should we should move. And this is a, a woman's responsibility to raise a generation, like to think normal of women, like to raise up a generation. Like of course you remember, women are raising up the generation. Okay, so just yeah. we 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 planting these seeds. I will put Hawida's website and a link to her book and her writing in the description box below. Please check it out. Please leave your thoughts. The truth is we are all connected. I hope this inspired you. I hope this made you think. I hope you'll run out and grab that book and read about other Arab women who are having similar experiences. For now, I'll leave you there to live and move and have your being. Cheers.